Welcome, everyone. We are so glad you're here. My name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, probably the guy you're going to see more often than not. And uh, we want to welcome you. We want to welcome you uh, at our new, new Linux campus. We're glad that you're here. Hallelujah. So glad that thing got opened up and did so well. And uh, at our Homer campus and our Orland and online. I, I mean, I, I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I, I, we did 10 Christmas Eve services at the Orland campus and, and then went away, you know, didn't do anything for a weekend. So I'm like jacked up. This is awesome. I hope that you're glad to be back. And I hope that, I hope that you will be back during this series. Okay, a lot of good stuff getting ready to happen in January. We we'll want to make sure you know all about it. Uh, Christmas Eve was incredible. Twenty-four thousand people worshipped with us at Christmas Eve at our all of our campuses combined. And if you're here, we just welcome you. We are so glad that you're here. We're so glad that we can minister to you in 2017. So let's just get the resolution stuff over with. Okay, y'all good with that? Just raise your hand. Okay, raise your everybody. Raise your hand. New Linux, come on, Homer. Raise your hand. Okay, this year I'm going to eat better, I'm going to work out more, or at least once. Hang on, here's my cartoon. I, I, I think this is awesome, this is funny. Well, your weight seems perfect, you're just 11 feet too short. That's all there is to it, okay? All right, hand, hands back up, here we go. This year I'm going to eat better, work out more, stop buying stupid stuff on Groupon, turn off Netflix and go to bed, call my mom, or at least teach her to use the internet for crying out loud. I'm going to start going to bed, blah, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, all good? Got that over with. All right. All of those things are great for you, okay? Really. Here's the deal. None of them are going to happen unless you make a plan. And even if you make a plan, none of them are going to happen unless you commit to the plan, okay? That's my motivational speech. Sign up for my seminar because I'm brilliant, okay? I'm telling you, really, $5,000, it's all yours. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not trying to be pessimistic here. It's just that I've done a few New Year's in my life, okay? More than most of you, honestly, okay? And the only years that turned out to be any different than the ones that were the year before were when I committed to a plan to make something happen in an area of my life. End of story. I love that part about starting the new year over every year, but as something of a new year expert, I can also tell you something else that stands out to me as I have approached this new year in 2017. There are some resolutions that are way more important than other resolutions, okay? If you weren't here back in December, I just had a full health physical and found out that I'm too healthy, okay? Because my heart is likely to outlive my joints, and probably my brain, let's just be honest, okay? I may very well be lying in a medical bed at age 90 watching Wheel of Fortune, wishing I had drank more bourbon and smoked more cigars, okay? I, I may be there. Man, why? She still looks good. Is she from Westworld? Please hear what I'm saying, okay? Here's, here's what I'm saying. Health is important, but why? The only reason that health is important is not so that you will live longer. It's so that you will live better, so that you will have the ability to do what God put you on this earth to do. It's not about your looks. Okay, it'll be a side benefit if you get healthy and that significant other person in your life has more interest in you because of that. That's great. It's a side benefit to you if you lose that second chin or you can do like the rest of us and just grow a beard so nobody notices. Why do you think they're so popular? But when Jesus was asked, what is the most important New Year's resolution you can make? He did not say avoiding white sugar and committing to using a squatty potty. Okay? What did he say? He said, love God and love each other. Those are the important resolutions. Your finances are important. 
We want to help you. Get in FPU. We want to help you with some of the other things that are going on here. Dave Ramsey is going to be here at Parkview for some seminars in May. I'm excited about that. We want to help you do some stuff. Absolutely. That's important. Your work goals, they're very important. Okay? Getting your tight pants on. Those are important things. Okay? Now you got that song in your head. But the most important thing that you have is loving God and loving others. In other words, the most important thing is relationships. And you know this. They always tell you this. Nobody ever gets to the end of your life and says, boy, I wish I had more money or I wish I would have lowered my cholesterol. In the end, your relationships are the only thing that matters. We want to help you with the important stuff this new year. Many of you uh, invited Jesus into your home over Christmas Eve, maybe for the first time. We want to help you with that. There's a a, a simple app, a free app online and on your phone and all your smart stuff, uh, Uversion Bible app. Just search Uversion uh, Bible app in Google Play or App Store, go to Bible.com, whatever. It's not ours. It's a free resource from the largest church in North America, Life Church. They give out all this stuff for free, and there's all kinds of reading plans and all kinds of things to help you with your relationship with God. And we, will, we want to help you with that as well, but everything's available for you right there. And there's some other options of things that are getting ready to happen. As far as loving God go in, in your life, we have the Discover Part View class. You've already heard about that. That's coming up. Discover Part View is going to happen. We have a men's breakfast study, six week study that's going to be going on uh, at our Homer Glen campus. And we have a women's Bible study that's going to be going on at our Homer and Orland campuses that's going to be going on this year. And we have a weekly study guide that goes along with all the messages based on the weekend message. But for the month of January, what we're going to do is we're going to focus in on the second, on number two, okay? Loving God, we talk about that all the time, and we're going to talk about that all the time. But, but let's get to the second one, which is loving the people around you. That's what January is going to be all about. Jesus said it, love your neighbor as yourself. And we talk a lot around here about loving our neighbor. That's why we have a campus in New Lenox and a campus in Homer so that the Homer and New Lenox neighbors and the people that are out that way can be closer connected. That's why we do all the things that we do, okay? And we talked about that a lot, but, but let's get a little bit closer for the month of January. Let's talk about the people who are indoors. Your significant other, spouse, your kids, your people that are, that are your family, okay? The people who share your doors. The people who don't knock when they come in your door. Not like Kramer, but like your family, okay? Most of the application of this series in January is going to be about you and a spouse, significant other, a love relationship. But even if you don't have one, it's going to be applicable to you. But it's also in some way related to every one of your indoor relationships, every one of your family members. And here's why this is so important to me. I've been with my family, uh, all of them, in the past few weeks at different times along the way. For those of you who don't know, my family all hates me and they all moved away, okay? All, all my daughters, uh, my, my three daughters are all married now. Two live in California, one live in Nashville. Grandson's in Nashville. Grandson number two will be in Nashville. Granddaughter is in, in California. They all came in, all of those, all those people. My parents came in. We got to be with my wife's family. And I can, sh- I can assure you of this, okay? Some of you have done more New Year's resolutions than me, but you're going to agree with this statement. None of your resolutions for the new year outside of loving God 
can ever be as important as making sure that your indoor relationships are as good as they can be. So let's work on that this month. I've also been with people whose relationships have blown up. And they would tell you exactly the same thing. They would trade every resolution they ever accomplished to go back and redo their relationships with the people in their house. Okay. Again, I'm not trying to discourage you with your New Year's goals. It is possible to lose weight and have better relationships. It might actually make you feel better and more healthy and could improve everything. All right? But at the end of the day, love is what's important. Jesus told us that from the very beginning. This is a moment I had after Christmas when my gang's all together. So that's my daughter Becca up front um, and, and my middle daughter in the middle with her husband behind her, Becca's husband on the right, Rachel and Ash, uh, the Nashville ones on the left. For some reason, we're just down in the forest preserve. I'm not in the picture because I'm chasing Charlie, my grandson, and he's way on down there picking up sticks because that's what a two-year-old wants to do. And she snapped this picture, and I... And I I turned around and, 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 and I said, there's nothing else in the world that matters. There's nothing else in the world that matters. I'm so glad that, that I, can, I can know that this picture is there. And it's partially, mostly because mom and I, my wife and I, committed to making sure that we were going to love each other as we loved ourselves. And because we committed to loving God. So we're using the analogy of fixer-upper. Um, I haven't watched the show very much, so I asked my staff to give me a, a you know, kind of abbreviated version of fixer-upper. Pastor Chaz sent me a description of the show. He said, Chelsea says it's a show that takes old junky houses and makes them beautiful masterpieces. Here's my description. These two idiots make doing something that is an absolute nightmare look fun and cheap. A.K.A. this show cost me a lot of time, energy, and money. Thank you, Pastor Chaz. I'm sure I agree with your definition. The, the bottom line is they go in, they find, a, they find a house. Maybe it's a disaster, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just some people that, that want to fix it up and do something else. And they decide how to make it better. So what we're doing in the month of January is, is we're going to make our New Year's resolution to, to fix her upper the inside of our house, just like they do. Okay, Except this is going to have to do with relationships relationships as well as everything else in life follow scientific laws. The, the scientific law of the second law of thermodynamics in a very general sense says this, okay? The, nature tend of, the natural tendency of any isolated system will degenerate into a more disordered state. In other words, if you leave things alone, they don't get better, they get worse. You understand what I'm saying? If you leave your Chevy Malibu out in the elements for 20 years, there is zero chance of it turning into a 2017 Mercedes S550. Zero. It's probably just going to rust out. We live in a house in Mokina that we built 21 years ago. It served us very well. Um, but you know what? We did not wake up one morning and find that the countertop fairy had come and blessed us with granite to, to, to take care of the old formica that was in there. That didn't happen. Anything that's up to date in our home, even though it was a wonderful home 21 years ago, anything that's up to date is 
that way because we made it happen. We've done a lot of work to make it happen. We moved the utility room up into my wife's closet. It's a two-story house. We moved the utility room up into her closet and then built a new closet over the entryway so that we could blow out the kitchen and have more entertaining space because it was really small when we built it. We've done all of that. I've replaced the furnace. I'm working on all the woodwork upstairs because it's still that old, you know, pressed wood-looking, wood-stained stuff, and I'm replacing it with six-panel doors and white and all the stuff that's probably going to go out of date as soon as I get it all done. That's what we do. I'm replacing the garage door right now because someone who shall remain nameless has banged it up so many times that when I had the spring replaced last year, the guy said, hey, it's not going to last very much longer. You need a new door. I'm going to need a new roof because the 20-year shingles have 21 years on them. You see what I'm saying? And I actually like doing the stuff that I can do. But what I'm saying is we had to be proactive even about the outside of the house. No matter how great the house was in 1995, it's not going to be okay now. And it's actually, actually better now because we've worked on it. And the same thing is true in the relationships that I have inside of my house. My marriage is the best it's ever been. It is not a Mercedes S550, but it is way far away from a rusted-out Malibu. You know why? Because, as my wife would tell you, the dumbest sentence in human literature is, and they all lived happily ever after. Right? I'm not, I'm not making this up. When, when our kids were little and we would read, you know, the, the Disney stories to them, every time my wife would say, and they all lived happily ever after because they worked on it for the rest of their life. And sometimes she'd just go off on a little marriage seminar. A prince and princess needed to go on dates, and he learned to empty the dishwasher, and they listened for understanding, and they didn't say always and never. And I was just like, oh, man, you're going to have to start charging money every time we told a fairy tale. Because the second law of thermodynamics is that your fairy tale is going to end up looking something like this if you don't do something about it. Isn't that great? That's reality. Look at the next one. Cinderella can't take it anymore. She's in the bar, okay? Your relationships are either, listen, there's no in-between. Your relationships are either fixer-uppers or they are falling-aparters. There is no in-between whatsoever. So the first thing that Chip and Joanna have to do when they go into a fixer-upper is they have to look at the structural integrity of the home in the first place. And that, that's where we got to start. We have to start with the foundation. If you've got your Bibles, your smartphones, you can turn over the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, where Jesus says this as plainly as he possibly could. If you want to know, if you, if you want an idea for like, man, I don't even know where to read the Bible. I, I don't know what to do with the Bible. I don't know. Just Matthew 5 through 7, just read that. Let that be the very first thing that you do in this new year. Sermon on the Mount is what it's called. All the collection of Jesus' literature, all, all the greatest things he said, kind of all compacted into three little chapters. And here we get to Matthew chapter 7, and he says it this way. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, okay, New Year's resolution, I got a resolution. Yeah, but if you don't do it, it's not going to work, right? Everyone who hears these words, a lot of Christians have a lot of Bible hearing and a lot of Bible knowledge and not necessarily doing anything about it, and I'm one of them, and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the flood came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Wise man built his house on on the bedrock, something below the surface, something solid, something strong that it would stand up with. And the rains came, the flood, the winds blew. It says, and in the Greek here, the winds blew and beat on that house is a violent concept, okay? It's not just like a a windy day in Chicago. It's like a tornado. It's like what I grew up in in Oklahoma. I heard the roar of the tornado more than once. I lived the opening scene of Twister when I lived in Oklahoma City. We were in a cellar, and we could hear the thing going over. I mean, the door didn't blow open, and nobody blew out. But I've been, that's what I've talked about. And some of you You've been in tornadoes or maybe hurricanes or typhoons or, or, or this crazy kind of a wind. But Jesus said the house did not fall. Why? Because it was rooted down to a strong foundation. I wish I could tell you something different, but experience has told me that there are going to be some storms that are going to blow into your house in 2017. And you're not going to see them coming. You didn't expect them to happen, but they're going to be there. I know because the same thing happens to me. There are going to be typhoons, there's going to be hurricanes, there's going to be blizzards that are going to blow into your life in 2017. I think it's always good to look back on and appreciate the goodness of God at the end of the year. I've been doing a lot of that in the last few days. But it's also good to look back at the storms that hit you out of the blue and how you handled them. Because the truth is, there are more storms that are coming. Okay, so what New Year's resolutions did you make to help you stand against the storms of 2017? That's what I want to know. That's what we need to be concentrating on. Jesus said, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. That word here is rooted. It is established, okay? It's a place where everything comes up out of. It is stabilized. It is set straight. Everything is there. The Apostle Paul wrote later in Ephesians 3, he said, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, there's that, those same words there, rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge so so that you will be filled with the fullness of God. The same word, rooted, grounded in love. He writes on in Colossians, continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and which I, Paul, became a minister. Don't, Don't get away from the root. Don't get away from the foundation. That's what's so important. Both references are talking about sticking it out with your faith and making sure that the pylons go down to the rock that is there that is not going to shift when the storms come. The house that doesn't fall grows out of the teachings of Jesus, not the teachings of fairy tales, not the teachings of the world. It grows out of the teachings of Jesus because those don't move. They aren't soft. They aren't shifty. The house of Jesus that is a foundation of Jesus, the concrete is made out of forgiveness and the love is the gravel, and hope is the rebar, the steel that is mixed together to make a good foundation. And when you have that, it doesn't mean everything's going to be okay. It means that when the storms come, you will be able to stand. And please, I know as I say this, 
I, I know who I'm talking to, and I know that a lot of you are like, ah, oh, it's too late, my house fell down. Okay. It's never too late. Maybe your marriage fell apart. Maybe your family has fallen apart. But it's never too late to go back and do foundation repair. It may require some digging. I just found this picture on the Internet. It may require some digging. It may require some more tools than it would have if you would have done it right in the first place. It may be costly, but it is never too late. So as you start 2017, it doesn't matter whether it's about relationships or anything else. Starting with the foundation of Jesus is absolutely preeminent. It absolutely has to be the number one priority that all of us have because the storms are coming. And the reason that a, a firm foundation is the key is that there's so much more underneath the foundation that you can't see that's holding it up. I've had this iceberg picture forever. Do you see that? Do you see how interesting that is? I mean, it's why when you, when you look out and you think, well, why, why would it matter if a ship hit that little iceberg? No, it's because of all that stuff that's going on underneath. That's the important part. And that's the part that holds it up. That's the foundation, okay? Listen to me. Trust me. I've been married for 33 years. That's a pretty good run. It's above average, okay? And, and understand, I understand there are plenty of people who don't have the foundation of Jesus in their relationships who stay in them for a lifetime. But I guarantee you, we wouldn't have made it. If we didn't have the foundation of Jesus... We wouldn't have made it three years, let alone 33. The foundation of Jesus is the only thing that kept us through the storms that happened in our marriage. If you want to build on sand, you might get lucky. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And if, if no storms come, you're good. But the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Great was the fall of it. It looks like that. When we start building relationships on the sand, we're building on something that can be washed away and covered over easily. That's what the foolish man did, which on the surface is, is fine, you know, it looks fine for a while until something comes along. Uh, but the problem with the sand is you can keep digging and keep digging, and all you're going to find is more sand. It's beautiful. It's picturesque. I mean, who doesn't want a beachside condo marriage, right? Wake up and see the sunrise and hear the waves in the morning. And, and that's why this is such foolishness, because we've seen this happen. We've seen enough of Hollywood, haven't we? You know, the, the six-pack abs and the bikini body get together. The actor, the actress, they get together. And, and even if they have a great commitment, most of them do not make it because it's built on sand. And many people, the problem with our relationships is that many people believe that if I just find the right person, everything's going to be okay. And then they find them and they marry them. And it turns out that the right person is the wrong person. So they go find another right person who shockingly turns out to also be the wrong person. Or, or their kids get to the place where they're like, they're so cute as little babies, and then they get to terrible twos or terrible threes, and you're thinking, ah, this is not what I signed up for, right? Mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again. Amen, right? Are you there right now? Okay. I can't wait for my kids to go to school. And then hopefully when they grow up, they'll be the right kids. And they grow up, and, and they're not right all the time. And you're like, what happened? 
to the, and they all lived happily ever after. Or you get to the point in your life where you start to realize all the ways that your siblings or your parents have failed you growing up, and you're having a hard time loving them because they aren't the right person either. Can we just solve all of this right now at all of our campuses? I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you ain't right. Mm -hmm. Okay. You ain't right. You ain't right. Don't, don't have so much fun. Okay. And guess what? Neither are you, right? They said it back to you. Here, here's what I'm saying, okay? If we're dependent on another person to be our foundation, even if they're a really good person, even if they're a Christian person, if we're depending on them to be our foundation, we are building on the beach. That's all that is, is building on the beach. It has to be something that lasts, something eternal, something deep and solid that our roots go into. So I apologize in advance to people named Sandy right now, but that's what I'm talking about. That's basically what we need to start calling each other at this point. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You're Sandy. You know, when your indoor people ask you to do something crazy, just say, okay, Sandy, and just keep on going, all right? Just understand that they are not going to be the person that you need them to be at all times, just like you are not going to be the person for them that they need, okay? Sand is a mixture. What we're built out of is a mixture of selfishness and greed and resentment, and it's all sifty, and it doesn't harden, and it doesn't stand up to the storms. And what happens when you build on that? This, this has just been haunting me this week. And the house fell, and great was the fall of it. Great. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Because it's not just the falling of a relationship. It's not just, oh well, they're more fish in the sea. It, it, is, it is an explosion and shrapnel goes everywhere. Our children, our friends, our finances, our emotional and spiritual health. The fall is great because this is about your soul and your soul is eternal. I woke up with this God thought on Wednesday morning. It doesn't happen to me a lot. I'm not one of those guys. But I woke up with this God thought on Wednesday morning. It was about eternal. It was, it was God saying, you're going to be with me for a million years. I think he had a little pinky in the corner of his mouth. A million years. You're going to be with me for a million years. I, I, I don't think he meant, like, it, what he was meaning is more, more than you could count. A million, a billion, a trillion, it doesn't matter. You're going to be with me for a million years, and you're going to be with them, your family, for a million years also. So what are you doing about it? When I'm dead in a few years, when my body breaks down completely, when my finances are turned over to somebody else, when my calendar is completely irrelevant and I have no more New Year's resolutions to make, I will still exist in a relationship with the people who live or have lived indoors with me because they have Jesus and I have Jesus. And I will exist in a relationship with Jesus forever, for a million years. So everything I do now that, that, in regards to the things that have to do with loving God and loving other people are the things that are going to last forever. 
The Bible says physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding, all, holding promise both to the present life and the life to come. That's basically what I've been saying, okay? Go work out more, for crying out loud. Go, go sleep better, eat better, do all those things. Physical training is of some value, but godliness in your home, in your relationships, has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And you know what's also interesting about this? I was listening to a podcast today about how we reach the next generation of people, the Generation Z, the, the ones of you that are in, in, in high school and college. And it's really fascinating because you guys in Generation Z, the next generation, you don't, you don't want to hear my knowledge about all stuff. You want to look at what is going on in my life and say, I want some of that. That's what works. And, and, it, and it just struck me. I had to read you my, my Rachel story again. It's been a while. Maybe you haven't heard it. It's in my book, Life on Mission. That, that guy that's married to my oldest daughter that is the father of my grandson and another one on the way. I was agnostic in England. He grew up in England. And, um, I mean, so, you know, when I say an agnostic in England, you're like, okay, wow. I mean, that's serious, okay, because there's not a lot of religion going on over there. And my daughter, Rachel, went over and did a short-term mission trip over there and um, met this guy. And they, they, they weren't dating, and he had a girlfriend. She, she had other relationships. They weren't dating. They just became friends. And when she came back to go back to school in Nashville, they kept in touch. They kept writing. And um, at one point, they had this little conversation about Matthew 7. And I would have not known any way how Ash could have possibly even known the story of building on the rock and building on the sand. But here's what he said in an email conversation. When I met you, Rachel, I could have and had in the past given you hours of justification for why I hated religion. I could have reeled off a list and put you as a religious fanatic in your place. That's, that's, that's the next generation that is to come. That's what they think. Had you come at me and challenged why I hated religion, I would have told you why I pity people and believe in God and Jesus and the resurrection. And no offense, but I would probably have come away looking pretty smug for all my excellent arguments and rational victories of logic. But you didn't do that. You just went ahead and showed me that it was all bull, naughty word, and that most of my facts are opinions wrapped in justification. Well, the best analogy, this blew me away. Best analogy I can think of is kind of biblical. I don't even know where he heard it, but I'm going to risk it. It's like I spent years building all these foundations to stand on, and people would come and say, hey, your foundations are looking pretty rubbish, and I'd throw stuff at them and tell them to bugger off because they were standing in the mud too. And then you, Rachel, showed up, and you walked up, and instead of pointing fun at my rubbish foundations, you just went over and stood on a rock. And I'm looking over thinking, she's not even saying it. But that rock required no building at all. And it looks sturdier than all my foundations. And you haven't got to tell me because I can see the damned rock. And that was the beginning of a spiritual conversation that ended with her going back over and baptizing him in a river in Wales, and then they started dating, and now they're married, and he's the father of my grandkids. And that didn't happen. That didn't happen because somebody convinced him of something. It happened because somebody like me, somebody like you, 
said, you know what? Our family is going to be grounded on the rock of Jesus Christ. We're going to hear the words that he says, and we're going to do them, and we're going to put them into practice. And when it's hard to love my spouse, I'm going to love her anyway. And it's when it's, when it's hard for me to deal with the pressures that are going on in the home and the things that are going on, we're going to deal with them anyway, and we're going to pray for God's help, and we're going to stay rooted in the rock. And when other people see it, they're going to say, man, you didn't even have to say anything. We just see the rock. We see your life. We see what's going on. And we want some of that too. That's how we reach the next generation. And that's how you survive the storms of life. It's, it's really that important. That's why I wanted to bring you this message at the beginning of 2017. All of you, all our campuses, I wanted you to have that. After Hurricane Andrew, the most devastating hurricane in U.S. history, if you weren't alive in 92, news reporter went and interviewed a homeowner in, in South, South Florida whose home was the only one standing in the whole neighborhood. If, if, if you've seen footage, uh, any kind of a disaster, you know, a lot of times there's like all this devastation and one thing stayed up, right? And, and it was this guy's house. And the interviewer went up and questioned him after the storm. And the man said, I, I don't know what the deal is. He said, I built this house myself, and I made sure that I followed all the state building codes. And my guess is that a lot of other builders cut corners to save a few dollars, and look what happened. If they would have followed the code, their homes would still be standing. I tell you, it can be true for you. We're going to have communion. I realize... Sometimes uh, we do things that we don't explain very well. I know that 80% of you grew up in a Catholic faith, so I expect that you understand why we do communion at the end of every service. But I want you to understand, if you didn't and you don't, here's the deal. At the end of Jesus' life, just before the cross, he gathered his disciples together and said, Hey, everybody, let's have a meal. And I want to speak with you one last time. And he broke bread and he, and he passed the wine and he gave it to them. And he said, I want you to do a little memorial service. I want you to do a, a little covenant service whenever you gather together. I want you to eat some bread and drink some fruit of the vine. We use grape juice because we're cheap and, um, you know, we can't afford wine, okay? And we don't want to mess with the, you know, alcoholics and stuff. So we use grape juice, okay? We have a little piece of bread and a little piece of grape juice that symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus. The interesting thing about that is that what Jesus said when he did this, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Covenant is what I'm talking about. Covenant, that word, the Hebrew word is chesed. It means I promise I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And the reason that you can go and stay married and keep your family together and do the things in your relationships that you know you want to do when you start them, the reason you can do that is because you have made a covenant with them and you are making a covenant with them. And the reason you know that's going to work is because Jesus made a covenant with you. So as we take communion together, you're welcome. If you're a believer, you are welcome, even if you're just beginning your journey commune with us now and remember that it's poured out for many the forgiveness of sins and it's poured out for you and it's a symbol of the covenant that we are supposed to have with each other that's what a good foundation does let's pray God I thank you for 
this moment that we're about to take. And as we take communion with you and we remember the covenant you made with us, please help us to remember the covenant that we've made or that we will make or that we have in the families that we have to love them based on you, not them, because you are the rock. Be with us in Jesus' name we pray.